from the Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen Center for Media Evangelization in Ewing, New Jersey, welcome to Come to Me with Jim Manfredonia. Stay tuned for an hour of talk, reflections, and meditations on topics that are important to today's Catholics. And now, here is your host, Jim Manfredonia. Well, a very good day to you, my friends. Welcome once again to Come to Me. My name is Jim Manfredonia, and as always, indeed, a great joy to be here with you, as we are so blessed every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday to share this hour together, 4 p.m. Eastern Time. And hey, listen, it's uh, this coming weekend, we, we, we spring forward, so we set our clocks ahead. I don't know if you're outside. I hope you were outside today. I was just standing outside in the parking lot. It was just a be- it is just a beautiful, glorious day the Lord has blessed us with on this March 11th. Can't beat it for uh, almost mid-March, but um, I'm hoping you're enjoying it, and I'm enjoying your being here and thanking you for being a part of my day on this Thursday, March 11th, 2021. And uh, just to remind you that if you are listening on one of our domestic church media radio stations here in New Jersey or Pennsylvania, we also stream on so many other platforms. So, you know, you might have friends that uh, are interested in listening to Catholic radio or in other parts of the country or other parts of the world. They can do it uh, any way they, uh, you know, they, they like. If they have uh, Internet uh, or the Amazon Echo device or the Google Home, just say play domestic church media. You can listen on our streaming audio from our homepage. Uh, also, if you have our free mobile app, and you can listen and watch because we are also coming to you live right now on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash domesticchurchmedia, live video. And live video also on our homepage at domesticchurchmedia.org and live video on our Facebook page at fa- uh, facebook.com slash domesticchurchmedia. So I'm happy to have you here, my friends. Happy that you're a part of our Domestic Church Media family. And thank the Lord every day for you and for the blessing of you as part of this wonderful apostolate that the Lord allows us to have here. Now, of course, today is Thursday, and as I do on Thursdays, I go to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Today we're going to go back to where we began last week or the week before, I forget, but we began the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And, you know, this is a penitential season that we find ourselves in, this beautiful season of Lent, about midway through right now, a little more than midway through, I guess, because I think a week from... Uh, two weeks from Sunday is Palm Sunday, or that means we enter into Holy Week in a little more than two weeks. So uh, anyway, I know there are some uh, parishes that are having penance services. I know Cheryl's uh, parish up there in Flemington, uh, St. Magdalene's, they're having a penance service on Sunday. Um, I didn't check the bulletin board, but you know, if you are having something like these, especially penance services during Lent, great, or parish mission, uh, let us know. We want to let people know. Uh, people want to get out. <laughs> you know? And I know they're now that they're expanding the maximum limit, right, 50% uh, in restaurants now here in New Jersey and I believe in Pennsylvania, uh, we're seeing uh, a, a bit easing of the restrictions and the mandates. So hopefully we're getting back uh, to normal. But let us know about that on our bulletin board. And uh, tomorrow on tomorrow's program, we'll take a look at that bulletin board and share uh, that good news with our listeners. Uh, I also, you know, and this, I don't know how this kind of slipped under the radar. Um, 
You know, of course, everybody seems to know uh, that this is the year of St. Joseph. Our Holy Father, Pope Francis, dedicated this year, 2021, to St. Joseph. But did you know that on the Feast of St. Joseph, which is next Friday, March 19th, and by the way, in case you weren't with us last week, uh, Bishop O'Connell did uh, grant a dispensation from our fast (laughs) on the Feast of St. Joseph since it falls on a Friday, uh, so you can have that St. Joseph hamburger next <laughs> next Friday, if you like. Um, but did you know that this coming March 19th, next Friday, the Feast of St. Joseph, will mark the fifth anniversary of our Holy Father's apostolic exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, uh, on the joy of love, and the um, Holy Father will inaugurate on the Feast of St. Joseph what he's calling the year Amoris Laetitia, Familia, the joy of family love. And he's really declaring a year of the family. And so I want to share some of that with you. It was announced back in December. Uh, I'm not hearing a lot about it. Um, of course, we are domestic church media, so we're going to make sure uh, we get the word out. We've been praying this beautiful prayer of consecration of our families to the Holy Family of Nazareth. So I want to share with you uh, what the uh, Vatican announced uh last December on the year of the family, the year of the joy of family love, uh, and share some of that with you as well. Before we do that, though, my brothers and sisters, we are going to pray, and we are going to pray this beautiful prayer of consecration to the Holy Family of Nazareth. And so, again, uh, if you haven't gotten your free prayer card or cards, please, we want to give them to you. We want, <laughs> we want to just send them to you. You know, they're free. We even pick up the postage. And you can pray this prayer, especially during this beautiful year of the family that's coming up beginning on March 19th. So we'll pray this prayer. When we conclude our prayer, I'll tell you how you can get your copy or copies of the prayer. Uh, Please pray for us here at the Apostolate. A lot going on behind the scenes here. (laughs) I know it's just me, but there's a lot going on. The Lord and I, we're, we're, we're scrambling a little bit here to, to get some things done. Uh, first and foremost, please pray for our financial situation. Uh, we do need you. This is a very tough time right now. And um, we need you to step forward, my friends, and help us in whatever way you can. You know, I know uh, the president signed that, um, whatever, the recovery bill, um, and in that, of course, is uh, another uh, stimulus check going out to to households. And, you know, many people need that. God bless you for needing that and, and using that uh, as, as needed. But I think there are some people who don't need it. Maybe you want to share that or a portion of that with us. <laughs> it's going to be coming in the into your account in the mail, however it's going to come to you. And uh, maybe you don't need it. Maybe you have your, you know, everything's where it should be, and this is just going to be extra money. Well, there is such a thing as tithing. So remember domestic church media in any way you can. Let's pray for that. And also, again, special project this year, uh, 2021. We have a very special project uh, underway right now that hopefully will also increase um, opportunities for donating among people who maybe haven't aren't aware of us and who will donate. So 
to help support the apostle. That's important. And also to reach more people, most importantly, to reach more people with the gospel. And uh, we'll get more into that in the course of the year as we move forward. Let's begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord Jesus, you lived in the home of Mary and Joseph in Nazareth. There you grew in age, wisdom, and grace as you prepared to fulfill your mission as our Redeemer. We entrust our family to you. O Blessed Mary, you are the mother of our Savior. At Nazareth, you cared for Jesus and nurtured him in the peace and joy of your home. We entrust our family to you. O Saint Joseph, you provided a secure and loving home for Jesus and Mary and gave us a model of fatherhood while showing us the dignity of work. We entrust our family to you. Holy Family, we consecrate ourselves and our family to you. May we be completely united in a love that is lasting, faithful, and open to the gift of new life. Help us to grow in virtue, to forgive one another from our hearts, and to live in peace all our days. Keep us strong in faith, persevering in prayer, diligent in our work, and generous towards those in need. May our home, O Holy Family, truly become a domestic church where we reflect your example in our daily life. Amen. And our prayers to St. Michael and also the beautiful ancient prayer to Our Lady. Holy Father asked us uh, over two and a half years ago to pray these prayers every single day, daily, with the specific intention to protect uh, our church from the attacks of the devil. And so we pray, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. We fly to thy protection, O Holy Mother of God, do not despise our petitions and our necessities, but deliver us always from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. Amen. And we pray, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, we love you. Pray for us. Venerable Archbishop Sheen, pray for us. Saint Pope John Paul II, pray for us. Our Lady of Good Remedy, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, again, my friends, I thank you as always for praying. And they know uh, coming up this Monday already, third Monday in March, March 15th, this coming Monday, that means our good friend Bruce DeBacco will be sitting behind the microphone here and opening up the prayer tent, inviting you, the listeners and our family, to come and pray with Bruce for any intention you may have, your special needs, urgent prayer requests, prayers of thanksgiving, whatever you have, uh, we invite you to come to the prayer time that we have here uh, on Domestic Church Media this coming Monday, the third Monday, from 3 to 4 p.m. live, and Bruce Tobacco would come to the throne, and he will, in prayer, uh, accompany you to the throne of grace. And so we invite you to uh, do that. Join us at 3 o'clock live this coming Monday for Come to the Throne and Pray with Bruce. And we'll also get out information uh, as we do every uh, time we have the program, to uh, allow you the opportunity to email or text your prayer request as well. 
So that's this coming Monday already, March 15th, first, uh, or the third Monday in March. How fast is this year going? <laughs> right? I mean, what happened to January and February? Whew, went right by, didn't it? Uh, the prayer to the Holy Family. My brothers and sisters, as I said, uh, starting next Friday, the Feast of St. Joseph, uh, the Church, Holy Father, has declared uh, a year of family love, Amoris Laetitia Familia, the joy of the family love, of family love. And so we've been praying this prayer since the first of the year, um, and we're giving them out to you thanks to the good uh, gentlemen at the Knights of Columbus who have donated these cards to us so we can get them out to you. Um we pray it here at, at this uh, top of the uh, hour, at this uh, as we begin our time together here on Come to Me. Uh, but again, they're free. There's no charge. We even pick up the postage. We want to get them out to you. We want families being consecrated to the Holy Family of Nazareth. So what you do is you go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org, and up on the top of the homepage, there's a link for prayer. Just put your cursor over that and a little menu drops down and click on the prayer of consecration to the Holy Family. And then you just fill out your name and your address, how many you want, and we will get them out to you. So take advantage of this. They're free. Uh, We have a wonderful um, volunteer base here that comes in. I'll tell you, it's Janet and Elizabeth. They come in and they uh, fill these orders. So they were a little disappointed because... um, they only had a few or a couple this week. We want more. We want to keep getting these out. So go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org. Put your cursor over the prayer selection up on top of the homepage, and a little menu will drop down and click on the consecration prayer and give us your name and your address, how many you want, and uh, Janet and Elizabeth will get these out to you. I believe they're coming in tomorrow, so... Um, uh, Get your order in now, and we can get them out right away to you. And I don't care how many you order. Just use them. You know, if you want to pass them out to your family, to friends, just use them. And again, thanks to the Knights of Columbus who donated these to us through our good friends uh, Pete and Arlene, uh, who dropped off a a brand fresh new supply uh, earlier this week. So we want to get them out to you. Go to our website, domesticchurchmedia.org. Put your cursor over the prayer link up on top of the homepage and click on Consecration Prayer. Give us your name, your address, how many you want, and we'll get these out to you. Um, And what a great prayer to pray uh, any day, but especially next week, next uh, Friday, March 19th, as we begin um, the year of family love, Amoris Laetitia Familia. So do that and... uh, Join us in praying and in consecrating our families to the Holy Family. So let's do this. As I said, I, I don't know how this. Uh, I, I remember when it came out, and maybe I did mention it, but you know, Christmas time. Uh, this is, I, I think it. Um, let me see when it was officially announced. It was uh, December. It says so I don't remember when in December, but um, anyway, uh, the Holy Father and the Vatican. Um, propose this spiritual, pastoral, and, and cultural initiatives to accompany families in the face of contemporary challenges. And you know, Sister Lucia said, and I believe this is back 
obviously she passed away now, but this was even earlier, uh, I think it was back in the 40s, where she said the final battle between good and evil will be over the family. And we see the family under such horrible attack, families that are broken, uh, families that are, are fractured. Um, and, you know, the, the church has always taught that the family is the basic cell of society. St. Pope John Paul II said, as the family goes, so society goes. So certainly the devil wants to destroy family love. Uh, so starting next Friday, which is the Feast of St. Joseph, which will be the fifth anniversary of our Holy Father's apostolic exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, uh, the Holy Father is inaugurating this year, Amoris Laetitia Familia, which will conclude on June 26th of next year, 2022. So it's really more than a year, isn't it? And that's going to be the occasion of the 10th World Meeting of Families in Rome, uh, June of 2022. Uh, the statement said, the pandemic experience has highlighted the central role of the family as the domestic church and has shown the importance of community ties between families. Uh, through the spiritual, pastoral, and cultural initiatives planned in the year Amoris Laetitia Familia, the Holy Father intends to address all ecclesial communities throughout the world, exhorting each person to be a witness of family love. Um, and, you know, with the family under such horrible attack. And you know, one thing we found, I think you recognize this, we recognized it, when all this began, the pandemic, when all this began a year ago, and it is really almost exactly a year ago that the lockdowns began and, and uh, everything started to shut down and even the churches were closed. And remember that, how horrible that was for us to, to, to live through. First, the, uh, what happened, though, see, even this, this is how you know, the devil will always end up biting himself in the tail, they say. He'll always take it a step too far. Um, when the church is closed and people couldn't get to public mass, it's almost as if every home truly became what it is called to be that is a domestic church. People watching the holy sacrifice in their homes, people taking time out for prayer, really making their home a holy sanctuary. The domestic church is what it should be and what it has become, uh, even in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, so anyway, this year, which begins next Friday, the Feast of St. Joseph, uh, they say that um, the Vatican will share resources on family spirituality, formation and pastoral activity for marriage preparation, effective education for young people, and on the holiness of married couples and families who live out the grace of the sacrament in their daily life. In this sense, just building up marriage and family. And, you know, I got to tell you, when, we, when, when Cheryl and I first uh, founded and began Domestic Church Media back in 2002, and then it was officially incorporated in 2003, We chose domestic church media because 
we wanted to emphasize that this apostolate through media would build up marriage and family life. And, and even though the church in many of her documents in the catechism referred to the family as the domestic church, uh, there were a lot of people in the beginning who didn't really know what that term meant. And, and of course, you know, now obviously it's been emphasized so much for so long, people understand it. Um, but our intent was through this medium and now through the media that we use, all the media that we're using, and then initially it was just radio. Now it's so much more and will be even more than that. Um, to just share and give witness to marriage and family life. You know, the culture, I, I just read something. I, I didn't see the commercial. Every year at this time, you start seeing commercials for Cadbury eggs, you know, those little chocolate-covered eggs that they put out at Christmas time, Cadbury, or Easter time, Cadbury. I didn't see the commercial, but I was reading something online uh, just before uh, the program saying that apparently there's a commercial out for the Cadbury eggs where they show two individuals of the same sex kissing. And you see a lot of that. You see a lot of commercials where in their montage, for whatever they're selling, if there's a montage of couples or families, they sometimes will include members of the same sex showing physical affection. This is how far uh, this, this indoctrination has come. And so we have to stand up and proclaim the sanctity of marriage as being a lifelong union between one man and one woman. That's the definition of marriage and no... Supreme Court ruling can change that. No legislation can change that. Just by definition of what it is, marriage, a lifelong union between one man and one woman until, of course, in the event and when one of them passes on. It's permanent. It's lifelong. It's between one man and one woman. That's the definition of marriage. You can't change that. Just like you can't have a rock, as an example, and decide to call it something else. Oh, this is an apple. It's not an apple. It's a rock. <laughs> you can't change that, no matter what your law says. Right? That's the whole issue right now with gender identity. They, the whole idea of that is twisted. I'm sorry. That's it is. You're either a male or female. Period. There's no third party here. You're either male or female. And so the family is being swept up into all of this. And this year, beginning next Friday, the Feast of St. Joseph is dedicated to just that. And as the, the Vatican said, they're going to share resources on family spirituality, formation, and pastoral activity for marriage preparation. I remember in that Amores Letizia, 
Holy Father suggested that marriage preparation be much more than just a visit with the pastor on a Saturday afternoon or even a weekend. (laughs) We prepare our men for the priesthood for eight years before they're ordained. And we prepare a couple for a lifelong commitment by filling out some paperwork and spending an afternoon with a with a another couple or a, a priest or a deacon or religious a few hours. So the, the Vatican said they will provide uh, uh, formation and spiritual activities for marriage preparation. They're also going to provide effective education for young people and on the holiness of married couples and families who live out grace of the sacrament in their daily lives. In addition, uh, international academic symposia will be organized uh, to examine in-depth the contents and implications of the apostolic exhortation uh, in relation to highly topical issues that affect families around the world. Um, the objectives, they say, of this Amoris Laetitia Familia, Year of Family Love, um, they've prepared an informational brochure explaining the objectives of the initiative of this year and offer concrete suggestions for di- dioceses and parishes. The Year of the Family is intended to spread the message of Amoris Laetitia, the joy of love, and it is in that exhortation that the objectives of the year can be found. Uh, the first is to share the, the content of the exhortation more widely in order to help people experience the gospel of the family as an, a joy that fills hearts and lives. Um, the brochure says, a family that discovers and experiences both the joy of having a gift and of being a gift for the church and society it can become a light in the darkness of the world. And, you know, we, we've almost been conditioned to downplay our roles for fear of offending anybody, right? And that we shouldn't be that way. We have every right in our guarantee of free speech to proclaim what marriage is, what family is, as decreed and uh, by God himself. When God made Adam and Eve, male and female, he made them. And when he said, go forth, be fruitful and multiply, using the faculties that he gave a man and a woman in the bond of marriage to cooperate with God in the creation of new people, new human beings, new children of God. That's the only way it's meant to be, and we can't redefine that or change that definition of what that is. So I'm praying that this gets more press and publicity, especially within our church, um, because the second objective, they say, is to announce the precious value of the sacrament of marriage, which has in itself a transforming power of human love. Okay, so again, reinforcing and building up the sacrament of marriage. And another objective includes enabling families to become uh, agent, uh, active agents of the family apostolate, making young people aware of the importance of formation 
in the truth of love and in the gift of self. And so these, and then it goes on also, uh, invitation to broaden the vision and action of pastoral care for the family during the year so that it can become more, uh, um, include all the family members, including married couples, children, young people, the elderly, and those in difficult family situations. So this all begins next Friday, the Feast of St. Joseph. It's a year of family love, which will actually last more than a year because it's going to go through June of 2022, which will begin in June of 2022, the 10th World Meeting of Families. That's when this year will conclude. So, um, of course, we've always here done everything we possibly can with the gifts that we've been given in this apostolate to build up marriage and family life, to emphasize the importance of the, the basic cell of society and the foundation uh, that it provides for society. Uh, because as John Paul prophesied, uh, so many years ago, as the family goes, so goes society. Well, as we see the family being broken down, being redefined, look at what's happened. You know, this, the United States Supreme Court took their titles literally and decided to redefine what marriage is. And now we're seeing even a redefinition of what a man and a woman is. You can't even say, uh, use male or female uh, pronouns in some cases. It, it, it is getting absurd and out of hand. We need to reinforce the way God intended it to be. And so with this year of family love that begins next Friday in the church around the world, uh, we will do everything we possibly can here at Domestic Church Media to continue to reemphasize and emphasize the importance of the foundation of family. I'll take a break. When I come back, we're going to go to the catechism and continue our teaching from the catechism on the sacrament of reconciliation. So stay right where you are, my friends. There is more to come. America, what have you done for your marriage today? It's a good question. I gave a huge hug this morning. We've actually organized a date night tonight. I took the baby while she worked. Um, I sent my husband a love email. I have carried my wife's purse. I shopped. We talked. I made my wife laugh. She's still laughing. <laughs> what have you done for your marriage today? Do something a little special. Get started at foryourmarriage.org. A message from the Catholic Communication Campaign. I'm Cheryl. And I'm Jim. And we invite you to join us every Friday at 4 p.m. for Friday Live. Two hours of talk, music, interesting, and informative interviews. We'll also have a reflection on Sunday's Gospel, Jim Hoffman's weekend weather forecast, and you'll have a chance to call in and play one of our fun game shows like Saint of the Day or Name That Catholic Tune. It all happens right here Friday at 4 p.m. That's Friday Live, proclaiming the joy of the Gospel, communicating hope, 
on these domestic church media stations. Sixty seconds with Mother Angelica. You, you got to face realities. There is a heaven. There is a judgment. There is a, a hell. There's a purgatory. There's a particular judgment when you die. There's a general judgment at the end of the world. Now that judgment doesn't change your status. It just tells everybody why you went where you went or how you got there. Unfair, unfair. <laughs> Listen, all of us are going to be lucky we got there. Why? Because all of us did or do things that's not right. And our dear Lord one day had about enough. The people you know and trust are on EWTN. Father Benedict Groeschel. There are legitimate differences of opinion in any religion. There are differences of opinion in Catholicism. But in Catholicism, you expect that people will take the teaching of its supreme authority seriously. To go diametrically opposed to those teachings is to not be a Catholic. Someone in the name of Catholicism is sponsoring the destruction of human life, lives of unborn children. And they got the name Catholic on the door. The highest authority in Catholicism and the encyclical Romane Vitae, Evangelium Vitae, is absolutely clear that no Catholic can support abortion and that Catholics are responsible to take serious action against legalized abortion. The leading Catholic voices are on EWTN Radio. From Falsington to Fort Monmouth. Point Pleasant to Pennington. Seagirt to Spotswood. From Yardley to Yardville. Silverdale to Seagirt. Southampton to Seaside Heights. Proclaiming the joy of the gospel on Domestic Church Catholic Radio. Welcome back on this beautiful, beautiful. Did you get outside yet today? I hope so. It's a glorious day the Lord has blessed us with. And so get out there if you haven't already and breathe in that fresh air, fresh spring air. Spring is in the air. Enjoy it while it lasts. I think it's going to change over the weekend. But today is a beautiful day. My goodness. Cheryl and I this morning had a little cup of coffee out on the patio. Ah. <laughs> uh, Hey, speaking of Cheryl, she'll be here tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Uh, and we have an interesting uh, guest, two guests tomorrow. I, I don't really, you know, I, I do the best I can to get guests, <laughs> number one, <laughs> regularly on the Friday program. But as it turned out, I got two guests tomorrow, as we usually have two. Um, but these two kind of complement each other. The first one is Dr. Thomas McGovern. And uh, Dr. McGovern has written a book called, he's, he's a medical doctor, What Christ Suffered. So it's a book on the pain that our Lord endured during his passion from a medical doctor explaining to us 
exactly what our Lord endured. So, of course, we won't be able to go through the whole book, but anyway, he'll be with us. And also, um, Michael Lichens, who is going to talk about a book uh, called The Pain of Christ and the Sorrow of God, again, talking about our Lord's suffering, but it's more of a retreat book that you can use uh, specifically, I think, as I read it, very apt for a Holy Week in the Triduum. So both of those gentlemen joining us tomorrow on Friday Live. Of course, Jim will be here with the weather. We're going to play Name That Catholic Tune, uh, Sunday's Gospel, and a reflection tomorrow by... I forget who's doing it tomorrow. Um, Do I have it on my my little schedule here? Maybe I do. Let's see. No. (laughs) Um. When, when is tomorrow? Tomorrow is the it's the second, the second Friday. It's also our daughter's birthday, Angela. Tomorrow, uh, a milestone birthday. <laughs> I can't believe she has grown up as have all of our children. I. Anyway, join us tomorrow live at four o'clock for Friday live. Um, and thanks. I already saw there are a couple of requests already had come in for the uh, prayer card, so keep them coming. Go to our website domesticchurchmedia.org. Put your cursor over the prayer link up on top of the homepage. Click on Consecration Prayer and give us your name, your address, and how many you want, and we'll send you these prayers of consecration. What a great prayer to pray throughout uh, the year of family love that begins next Friday. So we're going to go back to the Catechism Thursday. It is Catechism Day. I love teaching from the Catechism. been doing it for many, many, many years. Um... And today we're going to continue with the Church's teaching on the Sacrament of Reconciliation. And this is uh, a section that they title, The Conversion of the Baptized. First of all, before we get there, a little prelude, a little preface uh, to all of this. It is Lent. It is a penitential season. Um, Please, in whatever way you can, however you can get there, It'd be a great thing during this season to get to confession. Um, you know, uh, regular confession can become a nice habit to get into because you receive that beautiful outpouring of sanctifying grace. You're reconciled with God and the church and each other, and uh, just a beautiful cleansing, spiritual cleansing. So, hopefully, this section from the Catechism will inspire some of you to do just that. Let's. Go to paragraph 1427, where our church teaches in the Catechism. Jesus calls to conversion. This call is an essential part of the proclamation of the kingdom. The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. In the church's preaching, this call is addressed first to those who do not yet know Christ and his gospel. Also, baptism is the principal place for the first and fundamental conversion. It is by faith in the gospel and by baptism that one renounces evil and gains salvation, that is, the forgiveness of all sins and the gift of new life. Again, we hear the term a lot. We use it a lot. We should be very much aware that our life is a journey of conversion You know, as I shared with you last week, I think we were going through this uh, section in the Catechism, um, that conversion isn't just a one-time deal. Uh, 
You know, you got knocked off your horse in a, by a bolt of light. And it, you became a, a totally new person. Uh, it is a lifelong journey, conversion. John Paul told us that. That conversion is a lifelong journey. And so, although baptism is the principal place for, the fir- for first and fundamental conversion, it is by faith in the gospel and by baptism that one renounces evil and gains salvation. That is, the forgiveness of all sins and the gift of new life. Christ's call to conversion continues to resound in the lives of Christians. The second conversion, the Catechism says in paragraph 1428, is an uninterrupted task for the whole Church, who, clasping sinners to her bosom, at once holy and always in need of purification, and follows constantly the path of penance and renewal. The endeavor of conversion is not just a human work. It is the movement of a contrite heart, drawn and moved by grace to respond to the merciful love of God who loved us first. Uh, And, you know, we have to remember that no matter how heinous the sin, and men and women, human beings, can do and have committed heinous sins, heinous sins, horrible sins. And the devil would love us to believe that God will not forgive us of these heinous sins, these heinous and grave offenses against God, mortal sins. The devil would have us believe that the Lord won't forgive us from any sin. (laughs) He'll convince us, or he'll tell us in the beginning, while he's in the the process of tempting us, oh, that God will forgive anything. He's the great tempter. And then if we happen to fall into that sin, he will turn into the great accuser and try to convince us that God will never forgive you from that of that. But this is why God sent his only son into this world to redeem us. And while he walked the earth, the Lord showed the true mercy and compassion of Almighty God and gave the apostles and their successors the power to do what he did, to forgive sins. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. And, you know, we go through our our life and we are of a fallen nature and we sin. But I, as I said last week, you know, the great, this great sacrament of reconciliation is, is like a, you're building up your immunity. Talk about vaccinations. Talk about, you know, ways to become immune. We'd like to think that we'll never sin again. That'll come in heaven. But while here on earth, the temptations will be great. Our flesh will be weak at times. But the more we go to confession, to the sacraments, especially Holy Communion, and receive that wonderful 
sanctifying grace through the sacraments, that we are building up a resistance to sin, building up a wall, basically, building up an immunity to it. Not completely, because we all are sinners. And the devil will keep coming at us, the world, the flesh, and the devil, those temptations will come. But if we allow ourselves to get into a routine of not going to confession and becoming almost uh, um, numb to our sins, we're going to fall deeper and deeper away from the desire to reconcile with God. The endeavor of conversion, the Catechism says, is not just a human work, though. It is the movement of a contrite heart drawn and moved by grace to respond to the merciful love of God who loved us first. So that desire, that, that drawing to himself that God uh, grants us by his grace to return to him with a humble and contrite heart. That's what this season is all about. That's, that's what we should be longing for throughout the year, but especially during this season of Lent. A humble and contrite heart. Rend your heart, not your garments, the Lord said. And to then allow us to return to him and become washed and made new through that wonderful grace of the sacrament. The Catechism says, St. Peter's conversion, after he had denied his master three times, bears witness to this. Jesus' look of infinite mercy drew tears of repentance from Peter, and after the Lord's resurrection, a threefold affirmation of love for him. Remember when our Lord said to Peter, Do you love me? I love you, Lord. He asked him again, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Feed my sheep. He asked him a third time, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. It was a, an affirmation of this love for him in having denied Jesus three times on that Good Friday. The second conversion, the Catechism says, also has a communitarian dimension. It is clear in the Lord's call to the whole church Repent. And St. Ambrose said of two conversions that in the church there are water and tears, the water of baptism and the tears of repentance. Don't let any sin keep you from seeking God's forgiveness in the sacrament of reconciliation. Don't let any sin prevent you from going to confession. Again, that's a great lie and a great trick and a temptation from the devil. The priest is going to yell at you. He's going to scold you for this. He's going to let you have it. The devil will tell us anything to keep us out of that sacrament. But there's nothing to fear nothing at all. You know, if you're afraid to go or uncomfortable going to your own church because the priest knows you or you know the priest and he'll know your voice, then go somewhere else where the priest doesn't know you. One of the best confessions 
<laughs> I should say, one of the easiest confessions I ever had. Cheryl and the children, they were little. We were taking a little, a little vacation. We were up in, in Canada, in uh, Montreal. And we went to the uh, St. Joseph Oratory. Is that in Mont- Montreal or Quebec? One of them. I forget where it is. But it's in Canada. And it was a Saturday, and I felt like I had to go to confession. And we went into the oratory, and there were confessions being heard. But the only confessions being heard were in French. <laughs> so I figured it's better than nothing. I, I don't speak French. So I went into the confession, and I said, Bless me, Father, for I have sinned. It's been whatever it was. It's my last confession. I'm sorry, Father. I don't speak French. And he said, that's okay. <laughs> Go ahead. So I wasn't sure if he understood what, what all my sins were that I was confessing, but God knew. I thought, well, he wouldn't even understand what I'm saying. But he, I went, and we followed the, <laughs> the form as closely as possible. And, uh, but don't be afraid. You know, that's Jesus waiting in there for you. Not the priest. The priest is in persona Christi, in the person of Christ. Don't be afraid of that. Again, the devil would love you to not go. The devil would love to convince you, for whatever reason, not to go. You may go to the church. You may get up the, the, the strength and the, and the courage to, to go to the church, and you go and you open the door and you see there's a line of ten people. The devil will say, you don't want to wait in that line. Just go home. Right? That's part of, that's part of, your, part of the deal here. Even make a, make a better confession after you stand on line for 45 minutes. <laughs> make a good, a good examination of conscience. Return to the Lord with a humble and contrite heart. This conversion process you know, that we're all called to. In the course of our life, it's an ongoing journey. We And the devil, you know, he's a, he, he knows our vulnerabilities, he knows our weaknesses, he knows our weak spots. This is why they say, never let yourself get into an occasion of sin. Remember that growing up? I remember that, sisters telling us that, you know, talking about the near occasion of sin. What does that mean? It means you know what your weaknesses are. You know if you take a step in a particular direction that it's going to lead you closer to a sin that you're most vulnerable to. Don't do that. Because the deeper in you get, the tougher it's going to be to get out of that near occasion. You know, the church is very wise. People may laugh and mock the simplicity at times of the church the way it was when we were growing up, studying from the Baltimore Catechism and the very just basic, uh, you know, black and white issues. There was no shade of gray in how we were taught. And people may mock that now or, or scoff at that now, but it was a very... You know, for those of us who grew up learning that way, we still remember. In fact, I ordered, I have it here in my office uh, a year or two ago, a couple years ago probably, 
I ordered the old Baltimore Catechism. When I studied for my confirmation back in 1966, I was confirmed by Bishop R. of Trenton, as of where most of you, or a good number of you who live in this area. Of course, in those days, the Diocese of Trenton was very large. <laughs> you know, it was 1982, maybe, when they split the diocese and created the Diocese of Metuchen. But prior to that, the Diocese of Trenton was huge. <laughs> it included Middlesex and Somerset County and Hunterdon County and uh, Warren County, Ocean County, Monmouth County, you know, Burlington, Mercer. It was huge. Bishop R. was the Bishop of Trenton when I was uh, studying for my confirmation. 1966. And we studied from the Baltimore Catechism. Question and answer. Here's the question. Memorize the answer. And we still remember. You know, we could... I should bring it in here one day. I bet if I ask you the questions, you'll be able to, just by memory, give the answer. Right? I don't know how, how it's done today. They don't use the Baltimore Catechism, obviously. But we have a new catechism. We've had it for almost 30 years. And that's why I do what I do here every Thursday, because I want to be sure that we, we cover the Church's teachings. And this beautiful teaching on reconciliation uh, especially during this season of Lent, this conversion of the baptized. You know, we're, we're baptized, and the stain of, of the original sin of our first parents is washed away, but we still have the remnants of that. We still have the tendency to sin. We are of a fallen nature. And, you know, if people don't learn right from wrong, that tendency to sin has nothing to hold it back from sinning. You know, you have that, we talked about it last week, about when we reached the age of reason, seven years old, when I was growing up, and I'm assuming it's still the same, kids haven't changed that much, (laughs) but seven years old was the age of reason when we knew right from wrong. Well, if you're not taught right from wrong, you don't know what's right and you don't know what's wrong and your tendency is leaning to what's wrong, it's going to be very much easier to then get into situations where you are in more occasion of sin. We have to teach the limitations uh, to our children. You don't do that. You don't say that. You don't behave that way. That's wrong. You can't do that. You know, and if we're not teaching that and we're not emphasizing right from wrong based on our, our just basic Judeo-Christian principles, people have nothing to hold them back from, from sin because they lean in that direction anyway. And if they don't know right from the wrong they're about to do, in their own mind, there's nothing wrong with that. That's why we see the world in the shape it's in today. It it amazes me when you hear about how much injustice there is, but even lack of integrity, lack of honesty, lack of decency, lack of truth, because people have in their own mind, because of their concupiscence, their leaning toward sin, they have established that what they do, say, believe, 
legislate is right, even though it may be and is in many cases leaning to those things that are wrong. So we have to get back to teaching the basic values of good and evil, right and wrong. I, you know, I remember growing up, uh, my parents, I mean, we knew right from wrong. We may not have always abided by it, but we knew when we did something wrong because there was something to weigh it against. There was something that we knew we should have done the right thing, but we did the wrong thing. We were taught respect for each other, especially respect for our elders and especially respect for authority, which you barely see anymore. And so we live in a culture of sin. We've always have since the first sin of our parents, but it's gotten much, 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 much worse when we actually legalize, we, we legislate and legalize sin. It's okay. I, you know what amazes me all of a sudden? It seems like out of the blue over the past few years, there's a casino everywhere. It used to be Atlantic City and Las Vegas. Now there's a, there's a, there's a casino in every town and, and, and village. How did that happen? How did that become legalized? That's just a vice, I know, not a sin necessarily, but anyway. All right, I'm going to go tomorrow. Join Cheryl Me Live 4 o'clock for Friday Live. We'll have some great guests for you, some music and all kinds of stuff. So have a great rest of your day. Get out and enjoy the rest of this beautiful day, and uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for being part of my day. My name is Jim Manfredonia. God bless you, and God love you. Stand me.